What we do here is go back, 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 back. It does no service to creating value for people where I came from if I won't say where I came from. And so nobody thought any thought this movie was going to work, and it did. One of my greatest struggles as a journalist is that I'm an emotional person and I'm a sensitive person. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 Knows. Guys, this podcast is built on the premise that hearing stories of struggle from people who most of us just think have it made is a way for the rest of us to realize we're not alone. If you've already subscribed on iTunes and you like what you hear, thank you. And please share it with others. You can take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening, post it on your social media, tag at Matty Dell on Instagram or at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook, email it to friends, shout it from your rooftop, beat people up on the street and force them to listen, whatever. If you can leave an iTunes review, boom, I love it. Either way, I appreciate the support. I'm glad you're listening, even if this is your first one. And I hope you're as inspired by my guests as I am. And I was so young and everyone was like, oh, you should just wait until the next world cup four years from now, you know, you'll, you know, you won't, you won't ever make it. Like you're so young and you're playing in Annapolis, Maryland. Like there's no way there's not 19 other girls that are going to make it over you. My guest today is Boston college women's lacrosse head coach, Acacia Walker. Her accolades are so vast, we can't begin to scratch the surface. At 15, she was the youngest member of the world championship U19 team that won gold in Perth, Australia. As a collegiate player herself, she was an All-American at the University of Maryland, where she won the coveted James H. Kehoe Award. As an assistant coach at Northwestern, she won three consecutive national championships. Last year, in 2017, she was the National Coach of the Year, having led the Eagles to their best-ever season in program history. And, as of May 18, 2018, her Eagles are still in the hunt for their first national championship. But what impressed me most was her attention to selflessness, lack of ego, and team play, which has led her teams to excellence both on the field and in the classroom. She is, in my humble opinion, everything that's right with sports today. Acacia Walker. First of all, I guess I could start by saying um, my my brother's daughter, his younger daughter, I guess he told her that I spoke to you yesterday and then I was going to be interviewing her and uh, interviewing you. And he was like, she freaked out. <laughs> oh my God. So you are a hero in the Bay area. Uh, oh I told you I God. have two, two nieces that play lacrosse up there. I've got another niece in New York who plays lacrosse. So, um, it's, it's kind of cool. And, uh, as you know, I played at BC myself a long, long yeah. time ago. Um, so, well, first of I'm all, congrats to- on your on your run for the championship. It's great. Uh, thank you. It was awesome. It was a special year. It was a cool, cool year. I had a really awesome group of seniors. I mean, very unique characters. You know, very. Um, you know, they're fun. They were light, but they were so intense. It was just awesome. They were like, they really, honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, they felt like my family. Like they were so reliable. There was so much trust between all of us. It was just cool. It was a really cool year. Were you involved in recruiting a lot of these kids or you were? Yep. Yep. They were, they were kids I recruited as it was my associate head coaching year, but I can remember, you know, where I was when I, when I saw a bunch of these kids for the first time. And, um, it was so funny, you know, six years later, they were playing in the national championship. It was, it was awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, I will not spend so much time going over your resume because it, it ends up Please being don't. annoying to people <laughs> that will hear an intro that will give, you know, some of this. But I really I'm I am just astounded by what you've accomplished. You only graduated. It's not that long ago from Maryland in 2005. And what you've accomplished is ridiculous, in my opinion. And Obviously, we won't get into the whole bio in this short interview today, but um, I'm kind of interested in the mindset that goes behind it and so that the listeners can kind of get uh, the takeaways of some of the ways you prepare and what sets you apart from other coaches because it's just it seems like such a consistent 
set of accomplishments. I'm, um, one, one thing I noticed that I wanted to point out, at 15, you were the youngest member of the world championship under 19 team that won gold in Perth, Australia in 99. What was that like? <laughs> I mean, 15 years old seems so young to me. What Can you just run us through that experience a little bit? Yeah. I was such a baby, you know, I was so young and I was playing in the hotbed of lacrosse, which is in Annapolis, Maryland. And, you know, the, the, the idea of playing for the U S team, you know, came across my desk and I was like, Oh, well, I have to do that. I have to try that. And I was so young and everyone was like, Oh, you should just wait until the next world cup four years from now. You know, you'll, you know, you won't, you won't ever make it like you're so young and you're playing in Annapolis, Maryland. Like there's no way there's not 19 other girls that are going to make it over you. And, you know, my dad and I sat down and my, my little, my coach from my neighborhood, you know, we just sat down and we were like, we're, we're doing this. We are so doing this. So we just went out for the tryout and, you know, I, I made it the first couple of rounds and then, um, again, you know, everybody was sort of just patting me on the back, like, oh, it's so cool. You're doing it. It's so cool. You're doing it. You know, like you'll eventually make it. I can remember I was so young and I was so young. I didn't even understand that there were so many people telling me I probably wouldn't make it. Um, and then I, you know, I was just at Bryn Mawr in Baltimore and, you know, went for the final tryout, there was about 60 of us and they had to get it down to, I think, 22, um, and it started with about, you know, 500 kids. And um, I had a great tryout and I just played aggressively and I made it and it was cool. But, you know, everyone was like, you'll never make it. You're so, I actually made it when I was 14. I was 15 when I played, but. Um, oh my God. It, it, it was crazy. I mean, it was so crazy, but I just wanted it. I wanted to have a, a U.S. jersey. My dad, you know, my dad pushed me to do it and to be unafraid. And, and that's what I did. And it's sort of, it's sort of, you know, to be honest, it, it started a lot of my, my lacrosse career. Cause it just puts you on such a, a map with all these incredible coaches and people and traveling all over the world at such a young age for sport. It was, it was really a, uh, you know, an awakening time for me. I really knew then that I wanted to pursue lacrosse forever in every way I could. Yeah. Yeah. Now, would you say that is your kind of your number one quality? If you had to, if you kind of had to pick one thing, both as a player and a coach, is it, is it that mindset? Like, it sounds like you just had an incredible belief in yourself and, you know, you're saying like, we're going to do this. And then you actually did it. Is, is that what it is? Or is it preparation or what, how, what would you think is your players would say about you? Um, I think honestly, I have a little bit of a unique approach as a player and as a coach. Um, I was never really the best athlete. I was never the best lacrosse player as a player. I'm, I'm certainly not the best coach by any means. I think I sort of, I, I, I try to, um, you know, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but as a player, I really just tried to be an, a really good teammate. I mean, I, I was, I had some talent, but I really focused on trying to make my teammates feel good about themselves, constantly trying to make my teammates look good, really trying to make the other people around me the center of attention and kind of, um, you know, I try to do that in coaching too. I, I try to keep it all about the girls and, um, you know, I, I really value my two assistant coaches right now. I think they're brilliant at what they do and try to, um, you know, lift them up and empower them to be good at what they're good at. And I was kind of the same way as a player, like trying to get teammates to be great and, and boost their confidence so that they feel good enough to take risks and be fearless. And I think it was always sort of my approach. I was by no means the fastest, the strongest, the smartest, the most talented. I just, I think I was focusing most on being a good teammate. And um, I think it, it really it helped me. It helped me throughout my whole life. That's that's cool to hear just because I, you know, as I'm preparing to talk to you, I was thinking that's how I would describe myself as a player. I always said, like, I was not a not a great athlete, not not really a standout player. I, I played at BC when we were D1 and that's cool, yeah. but it's not I always say like, oh, it's not as, as impressive as it sounds to people that are outside of it. And 
So it's easy for me to say that, but but to hear you say that when you played at that level, that's what I was kind of, you know, as we were about to talk, I'm thinking, man, if if she was this good, I usually find that it's like the people that were really naturally good end up not making as great of, of a coach because they don't even realize what went into their greatness. Um, <laughs> it's just shocking to me to hear you describe your level of play as like, yeah, I'm not that great. I'm, you know, team player and, and, and that you kind of don't consider yourself one of the greats. It, it's, it's kind of a pleasant surprise, but, but shocking to me, you know? I think that the one thing that my parents taught me was that, you know, kind of like that cheesy quote, like people won't remember what you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. And my parents used to drive that home with me and everything I did, like just make sure you are taking care of people around you. And I think my, my biggest talent, if there is one is that I can recognize talent around me. So I think, I was able to sort of boost up my teammates who I knew were the best shooters or, you know, the best centers or the best defenders. I was, you know, I I could detect that easily. So I loved trying to make them sort of realize that. And I, I, I try to be that way with my girls, my players, you know, I can detect when I see greatness or, and I want to make sure they see it in themselves. And the same thing with my assistant coaches. I mean, I have two of the best assistant coaches and, I like to give them as much autonomy to do what they do and just give them a platform. So I think if anything, it's just, I know my own weaknesses. I know how to surround myself with people who are way stronger. Maybe that's one of my talents is that I'm not afraid of my weaknesses. I'm so aware of them and it doesn't make me insecure. It, it, it just allows me to be able to figure out where, and who to put around me so that, you know, we can be loyal to our, whatever our mission is. And, um, I, you know, I think maybe that's something I'm proud of. I'm really not afraid of what I'm weak at. I just. What are you weak it. at? Because from the outside, it doesn't, it, you know, I can't see any weaknesses when I look down that list of accomplishments. What, what would you say are weaknesses if, if there are any? Um, I think sometimes I lead. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a weakness. It's just, um, one of my, you know, I'm, I'm very emotional. I think I'm very, um, in, in like a good way. I coach very emotionally. So I know I have to hire people who are very strategic and, um, you know, people who have a lot of, you know, (laughs) elite level X's and O's, um, so that, you know, we're accomplishing the emotional side, this, the spiritual side and the physical side so that we can be, you know, a good team. But as a player, you know, I just, oh, geez, I so hard to remember like a lifetime ago. But, um, you know, just as a player, I knew I wasn't the best shooter, but I knew I could run. So I was like, all right, I'll run and I'll get you the ball and you shoot it because you're the best shooter. Like I just, I have no ego. I just, I try not to have an ego. I try to just put myself around people that, can do things that I can't do. And then I try to be good where I know I'm strong. That's great. Well, speaking of emotional and spiritual leader, um, I heard a story about you. I'd like to hear it in your words with the, uh, the panes of glass that you gave your players. I, maybe it was last season. Can you run us through that? Cause that, that was very, very cool to me. Yeah, well, we, you know, we had a, I, I recognized that we had a very special group of leaders last year and they were so hungry to do something that BC lacrosse had never done before. And every game after, you know, you reached, we reached the elite eight last year, which was where we had the, the, the furthest our program had ever been. And leading into that next game, I just, you know, I sort of challenged the girls. I'm like, you know, how badly do you really want to do something that's never been done here before? Like, you gotta, you gotta believe, you know, belief is believing in something you haven't seen before, you know, and, and that's faith. And, um, so we just, you know, we sort of made it our motto, like break the glass ceiling, like, you know, pop the top of our potential. And, 
Um, you know, it was, it was just really fun. So we were up at Syracuse and I, again, I was with my assistant coach, Jen Kent. We were short a coach last year, which is an interesting story, but probably not one I should talk publicly about. (laughs) I don't want to get you in trouble here. (laughs) But me and my assistant, Jen Kent, were trying to just figure out, we were, we were big into themes last year and our girls really grabbed onto themes for each game. And we went and got an old window pane. We had six seniors that had six different window pieces of glass on it. We went into the back of the hotel at Syracuse because we had to beat Syracuse to get to the next level. And we talked so much about breaking the glass ceiling, break the glass ceiling. Let's do something we've never done before. And I was like, these girls need a visual. We need a visual and they need to like, they need to be loyal to this in a different way. So we just took them out back and gave them each a rock and the whole team was watching. And I said, the seniors need to step up. And then they were instructed to chuck the rock at the glass and shatter it. And they did it and they loved it. And it was so fun and so weird, but we all remembered it and it was a good memory and it was a good visual. And, um, you know, and then when we had, when we went actually won, and kept winning and got ourselves to the national championship right before we took the field. I gave all of the girls the rock that they threw in Syracuse. So after they all left the scene, I grabbed all six of the rocks and then tossed it to each senior right before the game uh, when we played in the national championship at Gillette. So each of them could have that and remember it and remember what we were after and, you know, Damn, you're good. (laughs) That is so cool. I literally just took a picture of the goosebumps on my leg that I had when you were telling that story. That is, that is so cool. I love that. Well, you know, it was cool. The girls, the team last year, they embraced my weirdness. Like I would do weird stuff and they loved it. They would make fun of me and laugh and, you know, I didn't care, but we like, we had so much fun because there was an element of like, it was light and, and goofy sometimes, you know, like. But then it always sort of resonated and they took the message, which is all I cared about. And they definitely have the memory and, you know, those kinds of weird moments can connect you. And I felt so bonded with our seniors last year. I love it. And I hear you have a a strong group of juniors this year as well. Yeah. Well, both our juniors and our seniors. I mean, it's so funny because it's such a different team than last year. Last year's team was really loud and wild and, you know, you always tiptoed into the locker room going into pregame because you never know what you're going to open the door to see, you know. But um, this year is very different. We do. We have a a, a big number of juniors, a lot of starters, and our seniors are – they're so cerebral and so committed to the mission. It's just – it's an incredible group of upperclassmen. Yeah, that's great. Well, let me ask you this because you you had them with you last year. Yeah. went really far. You did not win the national championship. How do you talk to your team after a loss? Because that's one of the, you know, one of the the main themes here, 10,000 knows everybody thinks a loss or a, you know, a failure in quotes is the end of the world. And, you know, everybody that I've spoken to on this show, and there have been, you know, it's a varied list of guests in all different fields, but they all seem to agree with me that, losses are sometimes the greatest opportunities. How do you talk to your team at the end of a season if it doesn't end with a championship? Hopefully this year it's going to end with a championship, but you know, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, I think it was, it was such a, it was such a monumental step for our program because a, no one thought we could do it go to the championship and B no one thought we could give Maryland a game, but also because we're, you know, we're, we're not as supported as, as a lot of other programs are. And um, so to do all of it, you know, understaffed and um, it was, it was really quite special, but you know, the goal, we, the girls were so committed to winning a championship that even though we got there and played in front of 20,000 people in Gillette stadium where Tom Brady plays, they were st- like our team knew we knew in our hearts because they're very genuine when they say they want to win a national championship. They knew we still came up short and 
I think the way we approached it was, you know, yeah, it was awesome that we got that opportunity. We gained that experience, but guys, we, we, we came up short, you know, we came up short and I think it was an opportunity for the returners to decide, okay, we got to make moves this year. If we're going to achieve this goal, we got to make moves and, um, we're not going to wilt to the failure. We're not going to cave into the failure. We're going to sort of continue to be very, you know, mission driven and, um, you know, stick to the constitution of our team, which is being selfless and working hard unconditionally and, um, you know, staying, you know, mission focused. And, you know, I think the biggest thing about our kids is that they aggressively learn, they aggressively pursue learning and, I think that's what I feel most lucky about is that I have a group of girls that want to learn because you get to this level and a lot of the kids think they're the bomb. They think they think they're the best. And my kids that, you know, whether it's what BC attracts and you'll probably know more about this than me or if it's what the culture is that we've built here, but they're humble and uh, they're loyal and, um, you know, they'll do whatever's necessary. So it's a good group of kids. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I and I also know you have a track record with the academic uh, performance of your kids, which which is really, you know, the, the responsibility you have as a coach and how you've handled it. And, and just what you're saying in this interview, I I hope that every young athlete out there, whether they're, you know, male or female, listens to this interview and hears what you value about being selfless. I I think, you know, I've kind of been out of the lacrosse world for a while, but was talking to a friend of mine who, who uh, coached down in the DC area. And he, you know, I was saying, Oh God, the game, you know, these kids have gotten so much better these days. They start younger, all that. And he goes, yeah, but there's a lot of showboat lacrosse these days. And there's a lot of kids that are putting together, you know, highlight reels for colleges when they're in seventh grade. And, you know, everybody's all about, you know, putting their stats, getting their stats way up there and, and not playing as a team. So I'm, it's so refreshing to have someone like you, I'm just thinking of all of my nieces that play, like, I want them to hear this interview and, and hear the value that you place on being a great teammate and realizing that putting your ego aside and in the long run ends up you know, giving you more accolades in the long run and, and put you in a position to be running for a national championship. It's, it's great. You give up everything and then you realize you have everything, you know, like you give up everything about your own self and you turn around and you have everything that you'll ever need. You know, Uh, that's kind of what my parents sort of drove home with me growing up is just like, just be a good human being to everyone around you and what you give to this world, you'll get in return. And I sort of preach that to my kids, you know, in terms of smaller things, like what you do on a day-to-day basis. Like, are you out there playing to score goals? Are you out there looking to make somebody else look good? Are you trying to get the accolades? Are you trying for the team win? And just, you know, what you give out to the world, you'll get right back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's great. A lot of people say that it's, it's really cool to see you actually doing it and having so much success with it. Um, a question for you, uh, you, it sounds like, you know, emotion and spiritual leading is, is such a strength. What about discipline? Like, you know, you, you read about John Wooden, the, the legendary UCLA basketball coach. And I remember reading a while ago that he had, Every practice, <clears throat> every practice for the year mapped out before the season on cards, like down to the minute where everybody would be, which w- was, you know, just crazy discipline and then found freedom through that. Do you guys have, is it, where are you on the discipline scale? And then how much is just kind of instinctively reacting as you go through the season and, and kind of coming up with, with new things to do for the, for the kids? Do you have, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I can say that's def- definitely one of the things that I'm trying to work on is my organization level. So I can tell you one thing, we do not have practices mapped out days or weeks or months in advance. We are, <laughs> I'm a little bit more instinctual when it comes to that. Um, 
you know, and I think, in t- but in terms of discipline with my girls and our systems and what our expectations are, I mean, the typical BC kid, they come in here and they're already type A. So they already want to succeed. They're already not, they're not trying to, you know, be an outlier in terms of I'm going to do what I want when I want. You know, we have kids that are very naturally disciplined. They want to please, they want to be, um, you know, a, a positive part of the group. So I don't, I don't have a lot of discipline issues with the kids in terms of discipline when thinking about organization and scheduling and timelines. And, um, you know, I would say it's not my strength. It's definitely not my strength. I'm more like kind of left side of the brain. Like I'm in here drawing up 20,000 plays and my assistants are sort of in charge of keeping the schedule organized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, is not, is not my strength. And I get in trouble for that a lot, but, um, I'm trying to get better at it, but really like, that's just not how my brain works. You know, it's not, I'm not good like that. And it's certainly, it, it played a role in my early coaching years. And I blame myself for a lot of, you know, some of the, the failures that we saw in my early years, I'm, I'm sure if I had been a bit more organized or a bit more timely, we probably would have been better. But, um, in terms of actual discipline in the sense of like the kids doing what they need to do and showing up on time and being committed and not getting into trouble. We don't have problems like that. Um, but discipline in terms of, you know, organization and yeah. structure, we're getting better, getting yeah. better. Not there, uh, It not sounds perfect. like you're doing okay. It sounds like you're doing okay. And, and you're <laughs> surrounding yourself with people who specialize in that, which is, yep. I think another important element is, is kind of, delegating that part of the system to someone who is extremely detail oriented. So you can kind of, you know, do what you do best. Uh, Question for you on in from, what was it? 2005 to 2008, your assistant coach at Northwestern and you guys won three consecutive championship national championships. Um, What, how has that played into your chasing down the championship this year and last year in terms of, you know, you've been there, done that. Do you take those experiences to your girls and say, you know, and kind of visualize, you know, have them visualize it, walk them through what they can expect. How does that, uh, how does that play into how you do what you do? I mean, it plays a role in, like every day of my job, I'm so grateful for that opportunity because I'd say every coach that coaches division one tells their kids, their recruits, we're going to win a national championship. We're going to win a national championship, but very few coaches actually know what that looks like. What does it look like on a day-to-day basis? What does it look like from six months out? What does it look like, you know, and, and, um, I think the benefit that my, which I am so grateful for is I was there on the ins and outs of every minute, every day for three years, learning about what it takes to win a championship in terms of mentality, in terms of scheduling, in terms of what is the, what do the kids need in the locker room? What does the bus look like? What does the, what do the X's and O's look like? And I got an inside scoop on that as an assistant coach under arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. And um, so it helps me every day because I think my kids trust when I do things because I've seen it myself and I'm not promising something to them that I've never done before. I've, I've done it three times. And although I was just an assistant coach, I got to see and learn everything that it takes. So it helps me every day. Um, I have a book that I kept of notes that I wrote and I constantly go back to. And um, I think it, I feel confident in whatever we're trying to do because I've been there and a lot of coaches haven't. So I feel like I have a little bit of a step on some of my, um, you know, opponents because I have seen it and I was lucky enough to have been a part, a very, very small part of it at Northwestern. Yeah, I'm sure more than small part, but you're being <laughs> humble. But the question for you on that was, um, you know, I would imagine there's a bit of of 
the fat cat syndrome after winning a national championship where people get kind of cocky, get full of themselves, and there can be a letdown afterward. But you guys managed to pull off three in a row. What do you think was the mindset or the culture at Northwestern that allowed that to happen, that there was not a letdown Three years in a row, when everybody, you know, when everybody's gunning for you after you've won a national championship, it, it just gets that much harder, I would imagine. What did you guys instill in your players back then? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, they they actually had wound up winning six in a row. I was there for three, and they won six in a row. And I'd say when you go through six years, right, there's one common denominator, and it's Kelly Amanti. Um She's the coach. She's the head coach. And she has a very, very interesting way of making people feel confident, but at the very same time, um, humbled because she doesn't let anybody feel like they're larger than life. And so I think it's a very difficult thing to do as a coach to blend that. Um, but I think that it's her mentality and the way she treats her players where she gives them respect and she believes in them, but none of them are really, you know, larger than life. And so I think they're all very, you know, they're humbled enough to, to understand that past success doesn't guarantee future success. And, um, I think it's all in the way she coaches. I mean, she's tough. She's a tough cookie. Um, but she is brilliant too. So I think she does a nice job of, of balancing that. Yeah. What, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to have to, uh, sit my kids down to listen to this interview because, (laughs) because what you're saying, it's like all of the stuff that I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids to hear it out of your mouth. Um, it's, it, it's just, you, you have this constant, uh, repetition of, of humility and, uh, and giving over of self and that there's real, there's real power there. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I really respect it. Well, I, I just love, like, I love when people can have, can show humility. I think it shows so much strength because there's, n- I, I don't, I, what drives me crazy about people or colleagues or players is when they try to be so tough and bad. I'm like, come on, like, let's just cut to the chase here. Like, I, we're not perfect. How can we get together and be better? Like, are you, you know, I just, I have no time for that. I hate it when people are arrogant. I have no time for it because you're wasting time just thinking that you're the best, <laughs> you know, like I, that's why I love, I just hired, um, my assistant coach, her name is Kayla Trainer. She is like the Michael Jordan of women's lacrosse. I, she's the best player in the world. And literally the, the best player in the world, probably the best player of all time. And she is so similar to me. She's like, has so much humility. She's so humble. And we just get along so well because we'll sit down and we'll just figure, we cut to the chase. We're like, all right, you do this. I'll do this. And we'll be excellent. Like, I can't do this. Can you do it? And she's like, yeah, but you know, we're just very humble. And I, I love it. It makes me so happy to work with her because she's just, she's, she is humility. She doesn't even, and meanwhile, she's like the greatest player and mind of all time. So it's just cool. I think you cut to the chase and you get your results a lot quicker when, you know, you're not so busy thinking about how great you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so you seem like you've had such a, a role in the recruitment so that you have been, you know, now luckily you have this team full of what sounds like players with great attitudes and, and team focused attitudes. What do you suggest to a coach who? has someone on their team that is, you know, potentially, you you know, a a cancer with a bad attitude. They're, they're, you know, going to bring everybody else down. It's a very me, me, me attitude. How would you deal uh, with that? I mean, I think that the, again, one of the common denominators with all these athletes that we have to coach is playing time. And I think you have to have the guts to 
sideline a kid that doesn't embody what you want. And it's not easy. And it, I didn't do that in my earlier years and it hurts you. And I think you just have the guts, have to have the guts to talk to the kid very straight up, tell them what the problems are, what the issues are, give them an opportunity to change, you know, a long-term opportunity to change. And if there isn't small baby steps towards that change, then you got to sit them. You know, we, we get, we get girls that come to division one lacrosse or any sport at this age and they're pretty developed, but they're not fully cooked. So you got to give kids a chance to, to, to be flexible and to learn what you want them to do and to be like. So I think a lot of coaches try to be hardcore disciplinaries and they try to be the big bad boss. And I think we would get a lot, a lot, a lot further, a lot quicker. If you just kind of sat down and had a conversation with the kid and you sort of explained the cultural differences and, and you, you know, you tell them what you expect and you tell them that you, you know, that if you don't change, you, you will not play. And then you got to put your money where your mouth is. And when you sideline a kid, not only do they respect you for what you're putting them on the bench for, but if you, but if they really want it, they'll change, they'll change. And if they don't change, then they're probably never meant to be there in the first place. So, but I think the most important thing is give the kid a chance to, to be what you want them to be. And don't just be a, you know, drill sergeant. That doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work anymore. Um, and I think just give them a chance to change and believe in them and coach them into it. And, and then if they don't change, then you gotta, you gotta put them on the bench. What's your biggest advice for, for young players? You know, uh, some of the girls that are coming up, you know, I was telling you about my nieces, they're still, they're still pretty young, but then you get into high school. What, what are your, what's your advice for them? To, Honestly, of what to, of what to think, focus on and, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing, um, the biggest change I'm seeing with girls coming out of high school is they don't understand how really difficult it is to play college lacrosse or college sports. I mean, it is, it is your life. It is hard work. You get there and you have to – I, I hope with my own children that I can teach them to be team first, to be fierce in their own pursuit of their goals and to be fearless and to be confident and be selfless. But you've got to have the team's mission in mind. It has got to be more important to you than what, you know, what you want to personally accomplish because I can tell you right now, the kids that are starting, the kids that are all Americans, the kids that are the best players I've coached on this team are the kids that are like, tell me what the team needs and I will do it. And if that means I have to hold up the play cards with you on the sideline, I'll do it. If that means I have to score eight goals, I'll do it. If, you know, if I have to yell at teammates for whatever, I'll do it. And it's, those are the kids that are the, that are going to be successful in life. The kids that are willing to lay down whatever is, their personal goal to and sacrifice it for what is best for the team. And that's a hard thing to teach. But again, I think it's taught through being selfless and because being selfless isn't weak. Being selfless is actually super strong. So for a young kid that doesn't have, you know, the platform for that, they should just focus individually on making teammates look good and making sure people feel good and, because their teammates will remember them for that. And that's the legacy they'll leave. And that's an incredible foundation heading into any college level sport, team sport. Now, what about, I don't know if you, if you have this, I'm imagining because you're human, you do, but it seems like you had so much success. I'm, I'm fearing you may not have anything, but when you, you know, maybe you have to, you know, reach way back to when you were a kid to find this, what were, was there any, particular loss or or mistake or something where you felt along the way oh my god i you know i let my teammates down i let my parents down i let myself down um maybe it wasn't as extreme that you were thinking of quitting but was there anything like that where and maybe it wasn't lacrosse maybe it was in some other area of your life where you just felt like everything is potentially falling apart 
and somehow you figured out a way to turn it around. I just ask because the you know people that are listening, that's it's kind of what they're they're coming here for, and I, I feel like it's an important lesson that we remember someone as impressive as yourself is also, you know, j- just as as vulnerable as the rest of us. And how you dealt with it, in my opinion, is is really important for other people to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a few things. I, I'm so lucky that I, I didn't ever have a disaster or um you know something major go on i i'm so lucky i know that everyone goes goes through something in their life so i so i fear mine is ahead of me but um you know the one of the things that i think shaped me and again it's it's not a life or death thing so i i feel a little awkward talking about it but it did shape me um i was i had been training for the, now the senior elite team, which is the women's, um, senior national U S team, um, that, you know, you train for four years and you play, you, you make it, you know, you get cut down. The roster gets cut down year by year. And eventually it gets down to 18 girls for the world cup team, but you try out over the course of four years. And I had been trying out and slowly been making all the cuts and, Um, I went, you know, I was the youngest kid in college on the team and went through my freshman year, made the cuts, sophomore year, made the cuts, junior year, made the cuts, senior year, made the second to last cut. They were down to 22 kids and they had to get it to 18. And I was coming off my senior year in college and I was feeling good. And I actually um, tore my knee, my ACL and um, two weeks before the final cuts and three weeks before they were departing for the world cup. And I had spent four years trying out and sort of overcoming a lot of different odds. Cause I was young and, um, and my coach called me and said, you know, you'll never survive the world cup. It's seven games in, in 10 days, you know, I got to let you go. And it was like, you know, at the time it was like my, you know, the world was crashing. You know, I had just tried out for four years and um, was weeks away from the, uh, you know, the world cup and had to stay home and, and watch, you know, all my teammates compete, which was hard. But, um, you know, I, it shaped me because it's sort of, it does, it sidelines you and ECL tears, like, you know, it's, it's a, the most drastic surgery you can have along with, you know, back surgery or hip surgery and, so it was a huge bummer and I felt like I had let, you know, a lot of people down and, um, I tried to play on it. Actually, I trained to play on it. And I told my coach, I was like, you know, give, you know, give me a week, like I'll, I'll put on a brace and I'll play on it. And I actually did. I played really well. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was lucky. I was one of those candidates that could play on a torn ACL and I did really well. And I thought maybe she was going to take me and, and she didn't. And, um, so, you know, I, I, I had the surgery and trained back and, and got myself back into good shape and, and recovered from the ACL. And, you know, 12 months later, I tried out again and, and tried out for another four years and then made the World Cup team and won a gold medal. And I just think it um, the setback really was something I needed because I had been, you know, achieving things in lacrosse my whole life and I had never really been set back before. So, I, you know, it changed me as a person because I, I wouldn't say I'm the toughest person. I'm just very passionate. So I think tearing my ACL and watching people play over me and being cut and being held back and um, really pushed me. Plus ACL recovery is miserable. So it's nine months of misery. And I think that changes your your mental toughness level. So I think I needed that. I definitely needed that. And it, it helped me again. It's nothing drastic. Um, it's looking back now, it was like a blink of an eye, but I know that it did shape me because I pushed harder in life and always after that. Yeah. Yeah, man, you are so, it's so inspiring to hear you talk. I'm just thinking, and I don't want to. I don't want to keep you for too much longer because you have a, a national championship to go get. Um, <laughs> and I, I I I would imagine anybody listening to this interview is just on your side and wants you to win more than anything because your your heart and your spirit is so is so pure to me. It's uh, incredibly inspiring. 
Um, oh my gosh. Thank what, you. I, I have great parents and a, an amazing brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me, actually Thank tell me that. a little bit about your, your parent. Cause you've mentioned, you know, you mentioned your dad originally with the, the, uh, the decision to go after when you were 15 or 14, actually, and, and how you said, okay, let's do this. Tell, tell me a little bit about them and how they instilled this in you, because it comes from somewhere. Uh, yeah. And your, and your brother, your brother's older or younger? My brother's older and I was like, you know, addicted to him growing up and I wanted to do everything he did. And he was a great athlete. And I think my parents just really instilled being selfless from them. You know, we were so young. My parents to a fault are the most selfless people on the planet. They would do anything to make anybody else around them happy. And, you know, they sacrifice their own happiness all the time for their kids and for their friends and, and it's just so inspiring. And I, I think that's, you know, luckily my brother and I grew up with that. And, um, you know, I think the, the, the other thing too is, is that my parents gave us all the opportunities in the world to, to do what we wanted. And, um, you know, we just have, my parents are very hardworking people. They're very selfless and they just care so much about others that I think that's, Oh, you know, where I get it from, I just hope I can be like them for the duration of my life because that's what my parents are doing every day. They're trying to figure out how to help someone else. or And I, I mean well, it very I'll literally. I'll tell you, I, I don't know you aside from, from this experience, and they they have accomplished that in spades. <laughs> you are really, you you are living exactly what you're saying about them. It sounds like you live it. They, they've wow. got to be so proud. I mean, not even of all of the accolades, but just of the way you speak, just the way you've spoken for the last, you know, 45 minutes. Um, yeah. I, they, they must be so proud. Is your brother well, in lacrosse think, as well? Yeah. Is he, is he still? I'm sorry? Is your brother in lacrosse as well? Is he still? Nope. No. He's not. He's, uh, he's in Wayne, Pennsylvania with his beautiful little boy and his wife. And he works in the finance world. He got the brains. Um, <laughs> so he is, you know, living a happy life. My dad is, um, uh, my dad's a builder. Um, so they're spending some time remodeling his house and, um, you know, my parents visit all the time and my brother's actually coming up this, this Friday to see the game. So it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a, a, I know I love my, cherish my family and my husband is amazing. And my two little kitties are you know, my inspiration. So I, I feel very lucky every day. Um, you know, yeah. thank you for giving me a chance to even reflect for a minute. So, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for being so generous with your, your thoughts. And, um, uh, you know, I'm just wondering like what, what goes through your mind as you are racing for this championship? What are, is it like, are you just, do you put, your family, do you just go, okay, guys, I got to, I got to focus right now. And I'm going to be back after the, what is it? The 27th is the championship game and, and just kind of, you know, put everything into it. And then, uh, how, what, what is your, what is your kind of like the work life, you know, the balance or the mix or the, how do you, how do you do that? Cause it's gotta be so consuming. Yeah, it is. The playoffs are really hard and I carry a lot of guilt because I'm working a lot. And as a coach, you don't put, you, you don't put, you don't leave your work at home. You know, I've got 30 other girls that are on my mind all day. And, but, you know, I come home to a, a very happy home. My husband is, you know, incredible and my kids are a joy. So, you know, I do, I do put in long hours. I mean, I was up at five this morning. I try to watch all my film before the kids wake up and then, I work and, and yeah, you know, it is crunch time right now. So, um, you know, as soon as the championship's over, I'm home for the summer, but it is a little bit of a grind, but my husband loves what I do and he's a huge part of the success. And my kids are at a great age. They're three and one. So they're, I always bring them to practice. You know, yeah. I think it's important for the girls to see that, you know, I'm a mom and it's important for, for them to see that there's, life outside of lacrosse drills. And I think it's awesome for my kids to be surrounded by 30 grown girls that are working hard and sweating and competing. And so I do try to keep, you know, the perspective, um, you lose the perspective and I think you can lose the, you know, a big part of who you are. So, yeah. um, 
It's well, it's fun. so cool. It's You're a- raising an army of strong women. I mean, there must be so many women out in the world that have come through, you know, under your uh, your programs, and they're out there doing whatever they're doing. Maybe they're in lacrosse. Maybe they're in other areas of, of, of the workforce or having families, but you've had this impact on them. It's, uh, it's really, really very cool. Oh, I hope they're such good people. The girls that have played in this program, they always come back. They come back and support the girls and they're crazy fans. And they, our alumni weekends are insane. So we have a lot of fun. There are some really good people that have come through this program. Yeah. Well, listen, you're, you're a busy woman. Um, I, I really, really thank you for your time and, and for sharing this. And if you ever want to come back on 10,000 Nodes, you got an open invite. And um, I, I really, um, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to talk to me. Hey, the honor is mine. And I am going to continue to listen to all of these. And I've got a few that I've targeted for my girls heading into the weekend. So, Oh, very cool. Awesome very thing. cool love your mission. I love what this whole show is about. And thank you for even considering me. And I, I, uh, I want to keep in touch. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually just going to give a little shout out to, uh, Lisa Dinatali, formerly, uh, oh, Lisa Doty, who played at BC and her husband, Mark Dinatali, who was one of my roommates. And they're the ones that hooked me up with you. And, um, I I really appreciate it. Again, the BC network coming full circle and giving me a a superstar like you to talk to. So thank you guys. Lisa and Mark are a big part of the success. And I mean, Lisa is a huge inspiration to me and she's super mom. She's super woman. She's awesome. Yeah, she is. So, well, thank you. And um, thank you. And good, and good luck in the, in the upcoming weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to release this, uh, on I, I the plan is Friday the 25th people will be hearing this so that's an important oh. that's an important day so wow. well thank you so 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 much thank you Acacia okay all right talk to you soon okay bye thanks again for listening to 10,000 knows if you haven't subscribed to us yet please do so each week's episode is automatically downloaded to your computer or phone And if you like what you heard, please help us get the word out by sharing it with your friends and family. We'll see you next week. Thanks.